This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. Well, this is the Oanda Market Insights Weekly Podcast with me, Johnny Hart. We preview and review all the business and market stories of the week with Oanda Senior Market Analyst, Craig Earlham. And it's a very good morning to Craig. How are you doing? I'm really good, mate. How are you? I'm very good. Headlines now dominated by this terrible coronavirus that has hit China and seemingly beyond China's borders. And we were saying off air, just when we think we could predict what might be happening in the world, in global economies a few weeks ago, suddenly something comes along like this. Obviously, there's a huge concern for the health and welfare of people. But this also has a a major effect on the global economy, particularly because it's coming from China, which has a major effect on the global economy. Yeah, I mean, it was only a few weeks ago, just around the turn of the year, that I was saying that I think this year is going to be relatively quiet compared to what we've seen over the last few. And in many ways, so far, I've been right. I mean, I know we're only a month in, but everything that I was referencing has been pretty quiet when you're talking trade and uh, uh, etc. But actually, what we've been reminded of is that it's the unexpected which tends to cause the greatest shocks. And that's what we saw earlier on this year uh, with the US and Iran. Uh, and now this this coronavirus story really has just come out of nowhere in terms of just how much it's exploded onto this. Uh, uh, in terms of how many cases there's been already and the spread uh, and the reactions as well, the responses obviously when we're talking about quarantining, it really has had quite a considerable impact this week. And it's all anyone is really talking about. We've had we've seen a, a, a major impact on the Chinese market. We've seen a few down days there, but also the final trading day on Thursday, we actually saw it drop. Uh, I think it's around two point seven five percent the stock index now we should reference a number of different things really here one is that what makes this um, so much worse than what it would have been anyway obviously say with it being china and just how populated the the country is is the, the timing because it is chinese new year so this is a time of year when hundreds of millions of people travel across the country to spend the week with their families therefore the the potential for spread is extreme and the markets in china are also closed over the course uh, of the 8 day period so it's no surprise that we saw the stock market drop off on that last day because if you're thinking what can happen in that week and a half period this could turn into something much larger Um, So investors were clearly very uh, cautious, but it is um, in many ways impressive the kind of response that we have seen from China, uh, Wuhan, obviously the kind of quarantine efforts to try and maintain and control it, which is very different from the previous epidemic in China 17 years ago. Um, So I think people are impressed with the response that we've seen there. At this moment in time, it's encouraging that the World Health Organization has said that this is not a global emergency yet, which, again, is both encouraging but also worrying in a weird way. Well, maybe they don't want that self-fulfilling prophecy situation where, you know, there is panic. You certainly don't want panic. Obviously, the first thing that many people think of, rightly, is... Um, the, the worry about what if it does spread in terms of illness, in terms of the mortality rate, And they used the SARS virus as an example. Exactly. That, that's the case I was referring to 17 years ago. The fact mm. that this was something that, at the time, it wasn't controlled quickly enough, and in many ways it seemed to have been covered up, which had allowed it to spread more rapidly. And this time it seems that a lot more efforts are being made to learn from that fiasco. It is encouraging, but we are seeing cases emerge in various countries, and we just have to hope that the death count does stay relatively low for now. But you're not optimistic 
optimistic because, like I say, the timing of this is really bad because of the amount of travel that we are seeing. And it does have... The first thing you think of is obviously uh, illness and the death count, but then obviously there is also the part that we have to talk about given what this show is about, which is the impact it can have on the economy and the markets, etc. Because when you think that if this does spread and it does become more of an epidemic, then all of a sudden you start talking about well, what impact does it have on the Chinese economy in terms of tourism, in terms of people travelling, in terms of people going outside, uh, going to highly populated areas. So what impact does it have on the retail uh, sector? These types of things will start to become more prevalent if this isn't contained quickly. And we've already seen the effect it's had on some, you mentioned retail, luxury retail, particularly Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Cartier. They have all hit reverse. Airlines, hotel groups, uh, shares are down. And the price of oil, we were talking about that just a few days ago. That has now fallen on international markets by as much as uh, 3%. You look at the London Stock Exchange, mining companies, Rio Tinto, Glencore, Anglo-American, all among the biggest fallers amid fears that the demand for metals and materials in China could falter. And we don't really have anything to compare this with because even you know with the SARS outbreak, what was it, 2003, China was not as important then. And it's almost a generation ago that we had SARS and China is far more important now to the economic prospects of companies and countries worldwide than it has ever been. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you've summed that up perfectly, if I'm perfectly, if I'm honest. There's there's not really too much I can uh, add to that. We have, this has already had uh, a very uh, sizable impact on the markets. Now, it's interesting that we haven't seen, because it has been relatively controlled to this point, there has been few cases outside of China, the broader global markets are still relatively doing relatively okay. You can see the kind of tetchiness which is creeping in. And if we do see more cases starting to pop up, then I expect next week we'll start to see a much more significant impact uh, on the markets. But as you, you've just alluded to, you just named a huge number of cases where it's having an impact right now, the impact that this could have should this not be contained. It's interesting when you look at a market like gold, for example, which is a traditional safe haven haven't seen too much upside in gold anytime that we've started seeing buying in gold for example in um, uh, during the asian session over overnight when you are seeing um, a little bit more negativity creeping into the market that's been quickly sold i think that's probably more a reflection of the fact that people widely view gold as being overbought at this moment in time so kind of rallies are being seen as a selling opportunity rather than the fact that there isn't that safe haven appeal in asia that may change if we do see more of a spread and we do start to see markets around the world starting to turn a lot more negative on the outbreak of this virus again we can hope not and i think this is going to become an increasingly big story over the course of the next week but like as you say things like oil markets uh, uh, metal markets airliners etc these are already being uh, impacted considerably and i think it could be a very interesting week for these stocks talking of this week and next week we've got a lot of central banks reporting let's stay with this week though we had the ecb meeting what did we learn from that not very much i mean we have to remember that this is one of christine lagarde's first meetings and uh, the in, in Mario Draghi's penultimate meeting, he unleashed his final bazooka, which was quantitative easing around 20 billion euros a month, uh, an interest rate cut to minus 0.5%, uh, more TLTROs um, uh, and tiered uh, lending rates for banks. So this was a massive stimulus package in terms of this is as big a stimulus package as you could have hoped for from the ECB. I'm not sure how effective it's necessarily going to be, but it kind of ties the hands of the, of, of the central bank for now because there's not too much more they can do. So they were always going to wait and see for a number of months before potentially acting again. There's also the fact that we have seen an improvement in the economic data over the past uh, month or so, 
Earlier this week, we actually had the ZEW economic sentiment readings from both Germany and the euro area. Germany's reading um, spiked from deep in negative territory into positive territory. And in fact, it was the highest reading uh, since 2015. So we've seen a huge improvement over the last two months in these sentiment readings and the same in the euro area as a whole. So that's going to give cause for optimism and the central bank will be paying close attention to some of this data. I think the most um, important takeaway from this meeting was the strategic review of the ECB. This is the first strategic review, I think, also since 2003. I'm not sure if I'm just crossing dates with the previous topic, but this is the first strategic review in basically two decades from the ECB, looking at how uh, at the effectiveness of monetary policy, look at the effectiveness of their inflation target, looking at the effectiveness of the trans- transmission uh, mechan- trans- uh, mechanism. So the this is a full review which could take uh, a large part of this year so we're not going to necessarily get results at the next meeting but the fact that they are taking a a closer look at this taking a look at things like um, obviously um, the climate uh, and the impact that that's going to have we've seen that from the Bank of England already this is nothing new Mark Carney's already announced that from the Bank with the Bank of England anyway um, uh, that having a much greater impact because it's not just impacting uh, our everyday lives it does actually have a massive impact on companies financial performance banks finance uh, balance sheets etc so this is something that the ECB is going to review as well I think that was probably the main takeaway uh, from the meeting not necessarily market impacting but certainly very interesting and we've got Bank of England next week as well absolutely no chance of a rate cut now although going forward with this coronavirus that might cause some extra problems for the global economy and by proxy the UK economy so we could see a further cut at some point in the future but as for next week it's not going to happen is it? It doesn't seem like it's going to happen and to be honest I think that would be the right decision I, I think I made it perfectly clear in this podcast last week and on the various shows I've been on on the business breakfast over the last couple of weeks I think I think it was a bit ridiculous that we were talking about an interest rate cut given what we've seen over the past 12 months given the bounce back that we are seeing in the likely to see in the economy over the next few months given the level of uncertainty there's been etc etc I thought it was a bit strange now we obviously had the jobs report earlier in the week which was slightly encouraging in a weird way I feel like this kind of coronavirus story plays into the wait and see um, uh, approach because if we are going to see uh, if we are going to see more significant economic consequences um, as a result of this then I think the Bank of England wants to have the artillery in their toolkit rather than cutting now and leaving themselves with little uh, room to uh, little room to manoeuvre so yeah I mean it, it seems less likely now than it was a week ago that we are going to see um, an interest rate cut and I've actually just got the, the, the probability up on my screen now yeah. and it's around 55% so it is still well, so, so much for my absolutely no chance well so, yeah I mean uh, to be honest it's just that, not going to happen that would potentially signal no little chance to be honest because they say yeah. the central banks don't typically move or very very rarely if it ever um, cut interest rates especially your major central banks when well, the probability is below 70% so well, those those figures 55% it makes a bit of a mockery of it really well it's when, a coin know, toss isn't it but it's not a coin toss it's not a 50-50 chance so I'm, I'm always a bit wary of those percentiles yeah I mean I mean, obviously this is going to make a mockery of you this time next week if the Bank I, of England cuts I'm when sure you're, you're hoping for that. when you're so confident I think you're hoping for it right I mean you yeah, think you probably have more again than anyone uh, certainly well, the most my, my tracker mortgage exactly <laughs> the famous tracker mortgage i think uh, i think yeah. you're just trying to t- would take both sides of the bet here. you're just uh, you're telling yourself there's absolutely no yeah. chance that if it happens you can uh, you can celebrate all the way to the bank but yeah i mean like i say i think there's less chance now i think it would have been a silly decision anyway but i do think the vote's going to be closed so even if we don't see a rate court i think we could see a vote that's five to four six to three which very much lays the groundwork for an interest rate cut at one of the next few meetings should the economic data deteriorate and my 
my gut feeling is it won't deteriorate. I think we will see a bit of a, uh, a post-election, post-Brexit bounce. Um, not anything, I'm not talking 4% growth, obviously, but I think we will see enough of a bounce yes. that it will encourage Bank of England policymakers to stamp out for now. So that's the Bank of England and this side of the pond for next week, Craig. Why don't we cross the Atlantic and join the one Ooh. and only Ed Moyer? How you doing, Ed? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And thank you very much for getting up so early in the morning for us. But that is your job, after all. That's what you're paid <laughs> to do, right? Yes. And, of course, we've got the Fed meeting coming up next week. What are you looking out for? I think right now many investors are writing off the Fed for, for the whole year because they feel the rates are not going to go anywhere. Uh, but I, I think you're going to see uh, a lot of insiders really track any communication we get from the Fed regarding the balance sheet. I think it's critical to, to understand that throughout this record-long expansion, we've had the markets always remain very sensitive to any shifts in policies um, as far as accommodation goes. Um, when we take a look at the last couple of times we had the Fed communicate that they are going to have a little bit of a more of a tightening stance, the Fed can't keep this balance sheet growth growing at this pace. So they've addressed that they're going to, in the, in the next uh, quarter, let's say, in the next, let's say, a few months, they're going to have to say how they're going to temper this balance sheet growth. Well, in 2011, uh, when the Fed said they weren't going to expand their asset purchase program, we saw a 19% drop in the S&P 500. In 2015, when they were just kind of beginning the talks of shrinking the balance sheet, we saw a 12% decline in equities. So I think you're going to see that uh, many people, every day, it's like we're at Fresh record highs. Everyone's thinking, well, maybe we're going to have NASDAQ 10,000, Dow 30,000. Uh, markets have become a little bit complacent here. And I think, and I know we'll talk about earnings, but earnings have been fairly strong so far. And uh, I think you're going to see markets be a, a little bit cautious that, you know what, everyone was optimistic we were going to see anywhere from 3 to 8% growth this year. And, you know, in January alone, we're, we're around 3%. So uh, the markets are going to be vulnerable here. And I think they might use any hints of this balance sheet growth is, is going to end a lot sooner or the pace is going to slow down a lot sooner uh, could be uh, a little shock to the market. So I think you're going to see a lot of investors focus on that. On rates, uh, they're going to be on hold. Maybe it's slight, slight tweak to the IOER, but the, nothing anything um, shocking there. So uh, should be a calm meeting, but I think uh, Fed communication in the next couple of months is going to be something everyone's focused on. And uh, we could see uh, some uh, volatility return here. Ed, we haven't got a huge amount of time left in this podcast, but I wanted to get earnings update uh, from you. You said they've been particularly strong over the last few days. I think when we take a look at the tech sector, so last week was about the banks. This week is about tech. Uh, uh, yesterday, uh, Intel, the largest uh, U.S. chip manufacturer, strong numbers, better guidance. They're reasserting themselves as a cloud giant. You're going to see that this have a trickle-down effect. Lots of momentum here for tech. We had IBM, uh, Netflix. Uh, Netflix get their news out of the way. Um, overall, their, their numbers were pretty good. So I think you're seeing if this rally is going to continue, you're going to need to have tech outperform. And right now, tech is doing it. But everyone is going to be focused about next week because next week is the big week because next week we have uh, Wednesday, Thursday at the peak days and we're going to have uh, Amazon. We're going to have Facebook. Uh, Facebook, uh, and then um, even on Tuesday, we have Apple. So you're going to see next week the pivotal week for tech. So, uh, so far, though, everything's been good on the consumer, and there's a lot of optimism here on as far as how the other tech companies are going to perform. Ed Moyer in the United States, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you.
Well, that's Ed Moyer in New York. And uh, Craig, thanks very much for joining us today. Have a very good weekend. Thank you. From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.